Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics on a rather wild day in the financial markets. Obviously, we had the failure of Silicon Valley Bank over on Friday. We've seen a bank run. We are seeing signs of contagion into other banks and a whole lot going on in the world. So fortunately, uh, today is Vince Lancy Day on the channel. And Vince had the great idea of doing this live because I'm sure a lot of people out there have questions about what's going on. I will mention that gold and silver are also up quite a bit. Uh, Vince, as we can talk about uh, the sales volume at Atmex, which is tracked by uh, Michael over on Twitter, was quite high. I've been hearing the same from some of the other dealers, perhaps not entirely surprisingly. So. Vince, uh, before we get started, great to have you here today. Thanks for suggesting to do this live. And how are you, my friend? I'm good. I wouldn't say that I suggested it. I would say that you responded to something that your clients wanted, your viewers wanted. So I'm happy to do this. This is great. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Trying to digest everything. You know what I mean? Like take off one hat and put on another. I'm in trading mode now, right? So we have to we have to get things out there and explain to people what's going on. Well, I certainly appreciate that. Perhaps few people more qualified to do that than uh, than you are. And again, I'll mention to everybody watching at home, this is a live call. And while I'll let Vince give us an overview, and I have a few questions for him, but really the purpose more so to get your questions answered. So can start firing them in at any time. Uh, and uh, perhaps if I miss it, feel free to fire it in again when we actually start with the Q&A. But Vince, how about to kick things off? Can you give us an overview of what has been happening, what led to this, what caused it, and what you know about the situation so far? Okay, yeah, um, that's a good start. Um, well, first of all, at the very top level, people are saying, this is like that, this is like this. This is a classic old-fashioned bank run. This is not about a bank uh, doing some arcane derivatives positioning. This is not about complex nonsense. This is about a bank mismanaging its regular activities. And that's why we have a classic bank run. And, and in, my, in my opinion, that makes this a lot uh, worse. So we're looking at bad banking practices here. Um, and while the banks suffering a bank run can't and won't make everyone whole, just the first money out. And that's why the FDIC has to jump in. Uh, I guess that I guess as a, as a, a little bit narrower overview to get us to get us through Friday and to, to get us through the weekend. Let's do that, right? Um, what happened? What what happened was reserve requirements at banks dropped too low, and reserve requirements. If I if I'm just ask questions if you don't get the terminology right because we're live, right? Reserve requirements need to be at a certain minimum level for the banks to operate, right? So banks fail when the cost of funding their operations rises dramatically above uh, uh, their assets, right? But three things happen at the same time to these regional banks. The first thing is uh, stocks dropped, their investors lost money, uh, not investors, depositors lost money and started taking money out. That's the first thing. The second thing is because interest rates went to 5% in the short end, the banks had to give higher interest rate to get new depositors and they weren't able to do that. The third thing is the commercial real estate market collapsed after COVID. This started in COVID. It didn't start last week. During COVID, commercial real estate stopped paying their mortgages and these banks were freaking out. And so the emergency pandemic uh, ruling allowed them to not declare default. Remember the the, uh, the housing crisis, Chris? People were just basically saying, I can't pay my mortgage. And banks were just underwater because they had these bad mortgages. Um, that's what's happening here, but on the commercial side. So you have these regional banks, which are supposed to be all about diverse uh, depositors, having big concentrations in tech stocks. Uh, tech stock uh, investors and depositors having mortgages that they've locked in at 4%. And meanwhile, they're giving 5% on the money market. They didn't hedge their interest rate risk. 
And so they're upside down. The whole banking system for these banks is upside down. They're lending at five, they're, they're borrowing at five and lending at four. And they're doing that. And that's on the good loans. On the bad loans, their mortgages have gone from 90 cents on a dollar to zero on the dollar because people aren't paying their mortgages. And this all came to a head on February 28th. If you look, that's when California uh, announced that they were going to lift the uh, COVID emergency, which means that the banks had to be honest about what they had on their books. So uh, they didn't have, they didn't hedge interest rate risk. So when you combine that with the Fed raising rates, every time the Fed raised rates 25 basis points or 50, that put them a little closer to death. And we got to a certain point and it broke them. They couldn't make the payments anymore. So they don't have enough money on hand. I mean, this is it. They don't have enough money on hand because they don't have enough cash. And the assets that they have, the, you know, the mortgages that they get cash from, you know, the government lends them money against the mortgage, they're trading at 20 cents on the dollar. So they don't have any collateral to put up anymore. They have the opposite position of all of your uh, uh, viewers that are getting 5% in a money market and locked in their mortgage at 3% during the pandemic. So smart investors knew this and started pulling money out of them. The problem is their own client base wasn't a million different people with a dollar in there. It was one guy with a million dollars. And they, they talked to each other and they started pulling it out. And so it created a panic in any bank that was regional, that had bad real estate commercially, which is a lot of the cities, right? And that had a lot of technology starting with San Francisco. That's, that's, the, that's the way I frame what happened going through Friday. Today, we'll get to today, uh, but today, how they're handling today tells you that you, look, I, I shouldn't be saying this, but I'm going to anyway, you should have less money in banks and more money in things that can't default. And that means silver and gold. What's next? What's the next question? Well, the question, and uh, I think we're getting various forms of it, certainly has been the question on my mind. You and I have talked about this. A lot of people have talked about it, where the Fed is going to keep raising rates until something breaks. Is that, have we reached that point? Is this? Yes, uh, yes, yes. That's the perfect question, right? That's the perfect question. This is why we're doing this live. All right. The Fed was going to keep raising rates until something breaks. Everyone said that, right? And the people that were pro the Fed raising rates, meaning they wouldn't stop, were the Fed will raise rates higher for longer. And that's the mantra coming out of them. Now, before I tell you what they're going to do, what they're, what they're going to do, I just want to say very briefly, the Fed doesn't want to ease rates. The Fed doesn't want to pivot because their reputation was damaged by saying inflation was transitory. Now they're fighting inflation and they can't lower interest in their minds, in their minds right now. That'll change. But right now they can't lower rates because if they lower rates, they're acknowledging that they can't fight inflation. And they're hoping, and this is what's happening today, the fiscal side, the treasury side, the yellow side, the woke side, if you will, they're coming in and creating loans for the banks to be bailed out, like a TARP situation. So that's the background. So th the answer to the question, will the Fed keep raising? I'm gonna give you answers, right? I'm telling you my opinion. I'm, if I'm speaking in, in, in uh, facts, I'm 90% sure of this. Number one, the Fed's done hiking. That's gonna happen. Now, I'm not the only person to say that. Uh, uh, I'm actually reacting to what I understand. And the reason they're done hiking, well, I'll tell you who said it. Uh, me, whoever I am, right? Goldman and three other banks have said it. Uh, Barclays Bank, which is pretty good on this sort of stuff. A week ago, they were saying rates were going to be up 50 basis points. Now they're saying zero. So every major bank is now saying no more rate hikes. Mind you, when they say no more, they're, they want to say an easing, but they're not. So to answer the question, the Fed hiking cycle is done, period, okay? Um, are they going to ease? They probably will. I don't know when, but it's 
bigger than the Fed hiking cycle. Um, the bailout's going to come from money uh, injected into banks via loans. But the Fed's done hiking. The Fed will probably eventually ease. And they'll do it after the Treasury and the fiscal side of the market has exhausted everything they have to exhaust to get there. Uh, the hiking is done. You're hearing it. Like, if you're hearing it from me first, you're hearing it from me. You're hearing it from uh, the big banks that are loath to admit it. But the interest rate hikes are done. They're done for now. They're done. Yeah, and we did have the Goldman report that came out last night, removing our March Fed rate hike expectations. So, and I, and I guess that's kind of how we always expected something would happen where, you know, when until the crisis hits, they keep raising, talk about raising higher for longer. And a lot of people were saying, well, watch out when something breaks. And then obviously things change quickly. Um, we'll get into the statement that came out of the Fed along with the FDIC last night. Although I want to get to uh, a couple of the questions that are already coming in. Here's two that are similar. Um, Son of a Silver Stacker says, are these targeted bank closures having to do with crypto because CBDC is on the way? And Mickey asks, are bad banking practices, especially systemic with crypto CBDC on board? So are you drawing any connections there? Yes. Um, uh the conspiracy theory in all of us thinks they're going after crypto. They're not, they don't have to go after crypto. Crypto has gone after itself. When I say crypto, I'm not including Bitcoin. And I'm not going to debate about what it is and what it isn't right now. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to say crypto. When I say crypto, think technology and crypto. You have a bank that will use SVP, um, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, as, as the example. You have a bank that's a regional bank, like an old-style SNL. And they're supposed to have money from all these depositors, but only 7% of their money, 7%, Chris, under 10% was from depositors. The rest was from uh, technology firms uh, in, in San Francisco, uh, technology firms in Silicon Valley, and they're all heavily crypto oriented. Uh, they all have money in crypto. So as the price of crypto went down, uh, their depositors pulled money out as well. Now, with regards to like uh, uh, to parallel it with Signature, Signature is a New York bank. They just went under today, pretty much, and they're very they're one of the heavily crypto dependent banks. They service crypto people. So, California uh, technology, New York crypto, they're related in the sense that they're hot money. Their venture capital money, and they're going to pull out and go to where they want to go next. And they tend to move like a herd. Uh, so it is not necessarily, it's not, how's this? It's not targeting those industries. What it's targeting or what they're allowing to happen is this is a triage in the financial system. Uh, I'm not saying this is their plan. They're not that smart. But what, what's happening is Anybody who doesn't have enough money is going to go under. That's it. And the ones who don't have enough money who are overly leveraged are the people that put money into those signature and Silicon Valley banks. They're going under, right? The depositors will be made whole, which we'll touch on in a little bit. But the banks that are tied to industries that are heavily leveraged, tech stocks, crypto, they're going under. I think that answers half the question. What's the other part about? Um, basically, it was the same thing. Or also asking about the CBDCs and how that ties into all of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that, I mean, I can really go down rabbit holes on that. But let me just, there's no CBDC that's coming from this, okay? It's not coming tomorrow. But I'm going to tell you this. This is the path to CBDC. Now, I'm making this up. This is not what's going to happen tomorrow. But this is going to happen over years. It's going to be, we're going to bail you out. We're going to give your money in electronic dollars, and that'll be CBDC. But you're not going to have any kind of announcement like that at all. None of that's happening now because this is a crisis, and it's beyond money now. It's beyond money, guys. It's it's a it's a classic crisis of confidence. It's a classic like here's the money my grandfather used to give me. It's 
silver coins. It's classic confidence crisis. They can't afford to upset depositors more. When we get into how they're rescuing it, you'll see why you want to have your money in silver and gold more than ever. And I'm not one of those hucksters telling you to buy stuff. I'm telling you, you are in for a five to 10 to maybe even 15 year cancer on our banking system. Um, so that's my answer. Okay. And uh, I guess that leads into the next question. This one is from my good friend, Jake over there in Texas. Uh, he says, is this about the big banks buying bonds assets on the cheap from the failing banks? We heard commentary from JP Morgan advising clients to be careful on that. Uh, what do you think the other banks are, their role is in this at this point? Um, I can, I can, this is kind of what's, this is, this is a bank run on any bank. First of all, this is a bank run on the regional banks and, and their demise is JP Morgan's game. That's a fact, right? And, and as they suffer, JP Morgan and the banks like them, um, grow in power. It's a centralization, kind of like when all the banks in the great financial crisis collapsed. An example of that would be um, JP Morgan doesn't want, to use them as an example, JP Morgan doesn't want uh, client money. They don't want uh, high net worth individual. They don't really want investor money. What they want, that's why they give 0% interest, right? But the other banks have to give 5%. Uh, but with regards to the question about Assets uh, being cheaper. Yeah, that's 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 what's going to happen. But I'm not so sure that JP Morgan and banks like that are interested in those banks. They're interested in clients' money from those banks. Hope that helps. Jake. All righty. Uh, question from Mike here. Will the bond markets let the Fed get away with these bailouts, even if they claim it is not a bailout? Or will the bond market force the Fed to offer higher rates? Yes, the bond market will let them get away with it. That's actually uh, a good dovetail into how uh, they're going to do that. The bond market will let the Fed get away with this because there are only two things left in this world that are safe, right? That is bonds and then precious metals. And they're the same thing right now. It's, we're, coming, we're coming down the extra pyramid, right? Where, where derivatives, technology, big stocks, you know, now we're into bonds and it's going to end up with more and more money trickling. Trickling is the wrong word. It's probably going to be a flood into precious metals. But to, to answer, to explain why they're going to let them get away with it, because most of the people in the world are not like us, guys. They're going to do what they've been trained to do, kind of like a, uh, uh, you know, a Skinner box, a, a, a trained hamster, whatever. And, and, so, and so what you do is, if you look at the great financial crisis, all the smaller, or the SNL crisis before that, when we were kids, all the, all the banks that were big and poorly managed folded into the bigger regional banks. And some of those folded into, into JP Morgan. Well, that's happening again. Well, what happens is as you go up the banking pyramid, look, the big banks, JP Morgan, Bank of America, it's way worse than we know, than most people know. These banks won't even lend money to each other anymore. They don't say, I want to borrow. They don't borrow from each other anymore. They all borrow from the Fed, which means there's no trust. Everyone is borrowing from the Fed. Therefore, there's only one bank left. And that's the Fed. The choice is default or inflation. And they're choosing inflation, even if they're not easing rates, which we can get into in a little bit. So the answer is, yes, they're going to get away with it. Uh, and they're going to exchange the crisis for a slow five to 10 year boil off of assets. And eventually, to the point about bond yields going up, Eventually, bond yields in the back end, right? Here's your one day, one year, and here's your 30 year. Eventually, the back end is going to start doing this. And when the back end does that, that'll be inflation setting in. And they will stop it from doing that by doing something called yield curve control, which is really 
It's a form of QE that limits how high bonds can go. Now, we all have common sense here. Currency, this is where your inflation comes in. This is where your inflation, how it works its way through the system. If the government prints money and that money wants to go into a higher interest rate bond and the government stops rates from going up, right? By keeping a little rates, whether it be QE or YCC or uh, whatever they want to call it. What happens is if the rates stay artificially low, then the money flees the currency. Oh, wait a minute. Your currency has this much debt. You have this many problems and you're only giving me 0% interest rates. Well, screw that. I'm going to take my money out of dollars and put it into euros. Nah. Uh, yuan. Nah. British pound. Nah. So the world is narrowing down. We were the last safe haven in terms of the, the money that had the lowest debt ratio. But as that debt ratio goes up, it's going to be like this. You won't, I deserve 8% for this money. You're only going to give me 3%? Well, the heck with that. I'm going to sell my dollars and put them into gold and silver. That's what's going to happen. So the bond rates will be kept. It comes out in the wash, right? You're looking at a, at a waterbed and you press down on one spot of it. Something pops up somewhere. This is like a whack-a-ball thing, right? They're going to keep bond yields down, right? Artificially, when the inflation comes back. And then the currency is going to get decimated. And if it gets decimated too fast, they're going to have to do something else. I don't know why. I don't know, like maybe, you know, magic beans or something. But if it does it in an orderly fashion, money will continually flow out of the dollar and into silver and gold. Hope that answers the question. All righty. And speaking of silver and gold, <clears throat> pulled this up a few minutes ago. We see up about a buck 30 in silver. Big day in gold crossing back over 1900. Curious, uh, your thoughts on, is this going to be a one-day move? I know when we talked earlier this morning, you were suggesting the possibility that, you know, a week or two or three weeks from now gets papered over and people are no longer talking about this. Is this something that we're going to, um, are we in a 2007, 2008 environment where it just starts unraveling? with a new a new blow every day or is this something where we're going to see the metals up for one day and then it's papered over and things settle down for a while okay i'm going to answer that in two parts chris the first part is how are they going to resolve this meaning right now and the second part is how will that manifest or affect silver and gold and i think those are those are really like interrelated but separate questions because the market is going to be manipulated all right so the first thing is uh how long-term of an effect will this be? This will be a decade-long effect, just like the great financial crisis was. This is not going away. It cannot go away. This It cannot go away. This is worse than the great financial crisis because it's not about banks doing leveraged loans. It's about banks having their customers not trust them anymore. So to answer your question directly, uh, uh, as briefly as I can, this is what the, this is what the government's going to do. The government's going to let the banks fail, but pay back the depositors. So the, 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 the central, the U.S. government has two problems. One is they have failing banks, and now they have a new problem. They have an increase, an exponential increase in lack of faith in the institutions. So to address the first one, this is, this is about silver and gold. To address the first one, they're going to loan everything that they can to these banks, not to bail them out, but they're going to loan money so that their depositors don't flee. They're going to say, you have enough money. You don't have to worry about it. Your depositors, if they want to take their money out, they can. But the point is that's supposed to make everyone come. So for example, I'm a bank, right? And, and uh, I have uh, a loan that's worth $100, but it's trading for $20. The government's going to, it's a mortgage, right? The government's going to say, well, you you give us that mortgage as collateral, and we'll give you an additional $80. So banks are going to be loaned money against their shitty assets, excuse the French, in order to make them not in violation. And by making them not in violation, they could say to, they could say to depositors, we're fine. We're fine. So they're giving them a two-year loan. 
All right, that's what they're doing. They're giving them a two-year loan. And what that will do, and this is, what, this is the effect that'll have. The financial effect on this will be, this will, I, you know, I think this will be over by Friday. I don't mean done. I mean, the crisis will be over by Friday because they're going to take extreme measures. And it's not because of the money. I want to emphasize this. Depositors are being made whole. Banks that have failed will continue to fail. But the banks that go to them on this new program, like a PPP program, and say, here's our mortgage. Um, it's, it's trading 20 cents on a dollar. And the government says, here's 80 more dollars in credit. And so now the depositors can be satisfied. Those banks over the next two years will have time to get themselves in order. Harking back to what Jake said about JP Morgan, um, uh, during this two year time, the big banks will be able to look at them and see who's good and who's not. And then you'll see your consolidations, Jake, and your mom as well, right? Like they're gonna have time to look at the banks. And over the next two years, you're gonna see more and more failures as people say, they look under the hood and say, shitty bank, look under the hood, shitty bank. But meanwhile, the current crisis will be done. We're gonna print, like right now they said, they're gonna print out, they're gonna create a fund of $26 billion to bail out any FDIC bank that is in a shortfall. It's bigger than that. It's probably closer to, when all is said and done, I think $2 trillion will be printed will be loaned. $2 trillion will be loaned to these banks to keep them afloat for two years. Now, <clears throat> talking about the rest of the world, not our little community here, the rest of the United States will sell their precious metals. I'm not talking about banks. I'm talking about retail. There will be people that say, okay, and they'll get out of their silver and gold over the next five days as this calms down. You'll start to see stocks go up and metals go down because the crisis is over, right? There are two drivers in precious metals right now. One is inflation and the other is default or confidence crisis. As the confidence crisis drops, it won't really, but as the default risk drops, the inflation risk goes up. So the acute rally in the metals that we're seeing right now, that's a product of the confidence crisis. I don't want to pay, put my money in these bonds. We're actually, I'm going to take all my money out of this and put 90% in bonds and 10% in gold. That's what's going on right now. Taking all my money out of this, put 90% in bonds. Why? The bonds go to zero interest rate because the government's guaranteeing every bond out there. Meanwhile, I'll put 10% in gold because you never know. That's what's going on. As the crisis gets mitigated this week, you're going to see, you should, unless it doesn't get mitigated, right? As the, as the crisis financially, financially gets mitigated this week, you're going to see gold and silver, you should see gold and silver back off and you should see stocks stabilize. That's what they want to do. And as that happens, you're going to, you're going to have them declare it's over. We have all the money we need. We're fully going to backstop everything. And that will be the same playbook they did in the great financial crisis. Then the problem will be kicked down the road for two years. But between this Friday and the next two years, there's the other issue. So this week, don't be surprised if silver and gold come off again. Don't be surprised. And, and I'll give you a little clue. You have to use gold for this, not silver. Gold rarely goes up more than 2% in a day. If it goes up more than 2% a day, if the banks are doing their job, meaning behind the scenes, you'll see gold get smashed down 4% in a week's time. If they don't stop it from going up, then the banks are scared. So right now it's up over 2%. That's significant. Historically, nine times out of 10, gold will only, gold will be down 4% uh, after a 2% move. Now that didn't happen three months ago. And I'll get to silver in a second. So this week, I'll give you a scenario that could happen. Everything is fixed financially. We've got enough money to back things up. Take your money out of silver and gold and put them back into stocks. And that will happen again, but it will keep happening at lower and lower levels. So today, gold is up, silver is up, stocks are down, let's just say, right? Okay, tomorrow, gold will be up less, 
silver will be up less, stocks will be unchanged. And then it'll start to do this, and then it'll reverse. But that'll be the end of the week. The reason that you, this is not over, is because this isn't a bank acting improperly by having over leveraged loans. This isn't risk uh, that's crazy. This is normal, standard operating procedure at banks. And the genie's out of the bottle, the cat's out of the bag, whatever. Not only in the last six months, last year, we've had a whole population of millennials realize that inflation is a thing. They've been sensitized to that and they're putting their money in precious metals. Now you have the default crisis, which even though it's solved, like I'm telling you, it's solved, right? There's no default. There's not going to be a default. There's just going to be slow cancer on the, uh, on the economy. But what ends up happening is you've let this genie out of the bottle. Was inflation. Now the other genie is, wow, banks can go under. I don't care that I'm getting all my FDIC money back. I want it today. I want it now. I don't want to have to sleep and not have to worry about sleep. And that's going to make more and more people buy precious metals, buy silver. Okay, silver is very undervalued. <clears throat> it's a gold right now. By the way, that's a gift, meaning silver is being held down because it's industrial and economic, but it's still up 6% today. So look at copper. Copper, I think, was weak today, right? When I woke up this morning and I said, okay, gold's up, right? Bing. I said, okay. Uh, and I look at silver. I said, where's silver? Let me look at copper first. I looked at copper. I said, copper's down. I went, ah, oh, crap. That means silver is probably going to be down. And boom, it was up like three and a half percent this morning. I said, there you go. Silver is being viewed domestically in the U.S. as a safe haven. It's not industrial in a crisis. It's a safe haven. That's why silver is the Goldilocks metal. And that's why they pummel it when things are going well, but you can't keep it down when things are going bad. Anyway, so more and more people are going to take their money out of banks and they're going to put them in bigger banks. More and more people are going to take their money out of stocks and put their money into bonds. More and more people are going to take their money out of all these things and put them into gold. So for every dollar that you have sitting at a regional bank, 80 cents of it goes into a big bank, which is not solving the problem. It's only kicking it down the road a little bit. 15% goes into, 15 cents goes into bonds and five cents goes into gold. And that's all you need because it's, it's not a big market. It's going to get insane on the precious metal side. And um, that's it. It's not over. It's, not, it's just starting. If you want to look for a parallel in price action, just know this, guys. You're right. This is not about inflation anymore. Inflation is a solution to a confidence in, to a crisis, a confidence crisis. They can't stop this anymore. Either we have a reset or they inflate. Now, over the next, look at the market between 2002 and 2010. That's 2011. That's the market. That's the trajectory that the metals are going to have. And silvers will be exponential compared to that. But if you look at the gold chart, that's what's going to happen. They can't keep gold down. You're going to see, you're going to see gold become monetized. And when gold becomes monetized in a bond, we're going to issue bonds that are paying in gold at some point. And that's going to make silver explode in price. That's it. So I'm not worried about the rest of the week. I'm telling you that. I'm even more confident that five years from now, you know, my children will have multiple millions of dollars in, uh, in, uh, in precious metals that will be uh, hard to get. Yeah, especially since this is all happening in the face of the things that we've discussed for the past year with the registered silver uh, supply in the COMEX. Right now, about 38 million ounces, but on the lower side, same uh, pattern over in the LBMA. And whether things get calmed down for the next couple of weeks or months, uh, like you point out, there's still not, not exactly resolving the situation, which gets to something else that I know people saw and I wanted to ask you about as well. Here was a statement from the Treasury, Federal Reserve, and FDIC where... They mentioned that uh, depositors will have access to all their money and all yeah. they're protecting all deposits. 
Thought this was interesting in here. No losses associated with the resolution of the bank will be borne by taxpayers, which mm, I guess is kind of true, yet it seems like there's going to be a lot of printing involved to make that first part of the statement true that nobody's going to be losing money. So any thoughts on that part or anything else in that statement that came out last night? Yeah, you know, that's um, that's a lie, okay, first of all. Um, uh, you have $250,000 in the bank, in, in this bank, and it goes under. You're going to get that money back. That money is a direct cost to the country. Now, beyond that, they're going to guarantee, I believe, I could be wrong about some of the details here. They're going to guarantee over $250,000 a person. Now, for someone to say, for someone to say, <clears throat> For someone to say that the tax uh, payer is not going to be affected by that, that's, that's a complete lie. I mean, look, let, let's say, let's start with this statement. Let's say it's true. Okay. Let's say it's true. How can that be true? No losses associated with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank will be borne by the taxpayer. Okay. I'll be a lawyer here because this is lawyer stuff. The resolution of Silicon Valley Bank is not about depositors. It's about the bank. They're saying they will let the bank go under. It's not the banks afterwards. All they're saying is the bank will go under like Lehman Brothers. The depositors will be made whole. We're not going to bail out the bank. We're going to bail out the depositors. But that's this bank. This is, okay, this is a lawyer's phrase. What they're saying is, we're not bailing out SVB. We're just going to make the depositors hold. What about the next bank? We're not bailing out Signature Bank. We're just going to make the depositors hold. You keep doing that, and what happens is, all across the country, banks get run on. Because if a bank's not being bailed out, Chris, if a bank's, okay, we're being made whole as depositors. But if the bank's not being bailed out, then Future depositors look at other banks and say, I'm not putting my money there. I'm not putting my money there, right? That's what happens. So what's happened from this statement, from this statement, this is why it's a lie. Yes, we're not bailing out Silicon Valley Bank. Yes, we're not bailing out Signature Bank. We're not bailing out anyone. We're loaning them money for two years to get their books in order. So they loan you money, say, here's your, here's your, remember, here's your, um, Here's your mortgage. I'm a bank, right? Here's my mortgage. It's worth 20 cents on the dollar. The banks, uh, the government says, here's $80 to carry you through for the next two years. Two years are up. They say, pay the loan bank. We say, we can't. JP Morgan has looked under the hood of our bank and said, you guys are run like shit. We're not going to, we're not going to buy you, right? So now the government says, you have to pay your loan back. And we say, we don't have the money, right? That's when the tax the taxpayer gets hit with the loss. When you call it a loan, it's not a loss until you realize the loss. So this may be true about SVB, but it's not going to be true about the one to two trillion dollars that they loan to banks to keep them hold for the next two years. That's my answer. Well, that makes sense. And uh, guessing that you're <laughs> agreeing with Joe's assessment of the situation, that everything is good to go there as well. Uh, so well, it is, it is good to go for him. It's safe. It's safe, Chris. Everything is safe. What's safe mean anymore? They're not, they don't look at things the way we do. It's a disease. Well, I hear you. And one question, uh, slightly off topic that has come in, but is something that many people have been asking over the past couple of months. So just while we have a live call, wanted to address that. Yeah. Um, people are asking about the U.S. debt clock and why the gold and silver prices have gone to zero here. And if you look up in the top area here where it says U.S. debt clock, when I put my mouse over it and see their formula, the year is calculated the year over year increase in M2 divided by the yearly production of gold. That's the same for silver. And as you see on top of that, they have the asterisk that the U.S. money supply is declining year over year. So you would have an invalid fraction. 
So again, just for uh, anyone wondering what is going on there, um, that explains why you have these zero values here for gold and silver. Wait, 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 wait. Chris, say that again. That's you just you, that just blew me away. What? What? So keep your eyes up top where it says U.S. debt clock. I have to put okay. my mouse. So my mouse is over dollar to silver ratio, which is zero. Uh -huh. And if you look up top, you see that their frac their formula is the increase in M2 over the increase in the production of silver, but M2 is declining. So you would have a negative number there. Oh, so the solution is to... <laughs> so. Okay, I got it. I got it. So they're I'm not saying a solution, just the way that they're coming up with their number, the formula they're using gives you a negative number if the M2 is declining. That's what we have. The, the velocity value. is negative, so it's a it's an irre irrelevant number. I got it. Okay. All righty. Um, one thing I will pull up and let you comment on while I'll again uh, ask if people have questions and I'll take a look through there to see what else has come in. But while I do that, Vince, any comments on the move index, which is kind of like, I guess, to put in context for people like the VIX of the bond market heard uh, basically over 150 is where you're conceivably in crisis level. Obviously, a big move up that's happened throughout the month of February into March. And uh, again, uh, if anyone has questions, type them in and we will hit those next. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the the, the, the move index, which is the volatility index for bonds, has become the more important index to watch for risk because the VIX index is broken. It's when an index gets popular, to give you a little background, it's going to happen to move next. When an index gets popular by like traders, let's say like myself, uh, when the VIX first came out, they would look at volatility as an indicator of direction and it had some validity. And then it becomes popular. And then it goes on CNBC, and now everyone is looking at it. It's like the restaurant that everyone goes to. It's too crowded. And if it's too crowded, then it becomes less of a valid indicator. The smarter money, about five years ago, started looking at the move index, and with the, which is the bond market. And it's not really being, it's like, it's the, it's the hot index to look at for volatility. And it's valid. It's very valid because it's not on CNBC every day. It's not an index that can be traded on an exchange. When an index becomes tradable on an exchange, then it becomes less reliable as a predicting indicator. So right now, the move index is important, and it is signaling panic. The move index relative to the VIX index, people will look at that. I don't think you should look at that too much because uh, VIX is like gold. It's uh, uh, and silver actually. Uh, it's 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 cooked. Volatility is cooked because every time the market drops, the government makes uh, puts available to people who want them, which, by the way, is why we got in this mess. Uh, uh, the government has made everyone think that there's no risk. And so as a result of that, banks lending at 5% and borrowing uh, at, at 8%, they think they're going to be bailed out. So the move index is the, is the thing to look at right now. Absolutely. But it's really not that high right now compared to... Uh, compared to uh, October of last year, right? You would think it would be higher. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's creeping up. There has been higher at a couple of points back if we, uh, oops, uh, if we go back a little further. up is because if you look at the banking indexes, like there's, there's some charts floating around out there and the banking indexes, in terms of the banking index volatility, there's, there's the great financial crisis, with big volatility lower, there's COVID and there's this, and this is equal for them. I guess what you're looking at here is you're looking at JP Morgan going up while all the other banks are going down. Right, and that's, you look at that chart, look at that chart and you say, that's why I think they think it'll be done by Friday. And it's not going away, it'll just be done. It'll be papered over. Okay, and along, along those lines, Vince, one of the questions that came in, which, Actually, it was kind of what I was getting at in the, uh, the statement from the Fed that I'll pull back up. Where is the money for those loans coming from? That that was really what I was thinking, where they say no losses associated with oh. the uh, bank will be borne by the taxpayer. Oh. Okay. But well, that's what, some what new they, money creation that 
you know, again, it's the old implicit versus explicit default. Right. Um, right. So well, the question is, where does that money come from? Okay, put on your lawyer hat again. No losses associated does not mean no money. It means no losses. So the losses will be borne by the shareholders in the banks. However, the money that will be created to be loaned is created at the treasury level or at the Fed level. So they're basically going to print money. That's what they're doing. This is printing money the same way they printed it for stimulus checks. This is stimulus for banks. This is a targeted QE, but they're calling it a loan. So the answer is, where's this money coming from? Well, the money that's, there's, there's three types of money. There's money that's making the depositors whole, right? That money is coming from the Fed. There's money that's going to be loaned to all the banks that need it going forward. That's coming from the Fed making it up, you know, printing it. And then there's money that they're talking about here that's going to be used to bail out, to absorb the losses of bad banks. That's not happening. So they're not rescuing banks. They're letting them go under. So it's kind of like they're not just saying, we're printing $2 trillion and we're going to give it to every bank to float all the bad banks along with the good banks right? The good banks will make money and the bad banks will survive to, to fight another day. This time they're going this, we have $2 trillion and we'll give it to you if you show us your portfolio. And that money is created out of thin air and it's given to these banks uh, from taxpayers. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. All the loans are by the taxpayers, just like when we loan Elon Musk money for uh, Tesla. Same idea. Alrighty, that makes a lot of sense. And again, uh, if we have any final questions coming in for Vince, type them in now. Um, okay, I see from James Hafford, will the balance sheet go up by the amount of these bailouts? I think you just touched on that, but anything else you'd like to add there, Vince? No, to be very specific on that, I don't know. Uh, but I, I will say that, I will say that um, QT, which is the, in, the, the, the decrease in balance sheet by us offloading debt, is going to stop. It's probably going to stop. So I don't know the answer to that, where it comes from, whether it's put on the balance sheet or they create some special thing and keep it off balance sheet, or whether they hide it between their pillows. I don't know. But that money has got to be created from somewhere. What's the outlook for T-bills now? I saw that. Can I comment on that, Chris? Uh, sure, go ahead. Uh, you should expect, even though we know it makes no sense because of fear, T-bills are the, uh, you know, the, the, the cleanest dirty shirt. So in the world, the world is, world doesn't have any money. The world's worried about, we're worried about the world going bankrupt, right? So the money comes into dollars and the dollars are going down too relative to gold and silver and but not relative to other currency in general. T-bill rates are probably going to continue to drop um, in the panic and long bond rates will drop too in the panic. And then over the next five years, which you don't care about in the next 10 minutes, over the next five years, long-term rates will go up as the inflation effect is felt. Kind of like COVID, what happened in COVID is going to happen over the next five years again in a little bit slower uh, slower uh, situation. How many silver future contracts are you short? Not short silver. What's your name? Go, Max. Max, I hope you're joking. If not, you're brain damaged. I wouldn't do that. I short the market, but that's paper. Uh, but I, I play long metal. Why would I do that? I'm long gold right now in short stocks. Why am I not long silver? Speculatively, because I'm worried that they're going to do some copper thing with it. I should have on Friday, I said, by the way, I'm like, oh, look, silver lead on Friday. That's going to be good for next week. And that's it. So silver leads because there were shorts in the market. And I was not one of them, Max. All righty. Vince, uh, one question that you did touch on earlier, but is popping in as we've had a bunch more people join in our live chat here. Just again, any thoughts on uh, the Fed? People are asking, are the interest rate hikes done? Again, you did touch on, but uh, again, okay, yeah, that's worth that's worth revisiting. This again. is obviously an evolving situation, but.
But here's here's where we are right now at this moment at 152 today. Number one, the Fed's reputation, the Fed is not, the Fed rate hikes are done, all right? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. The Fed rate hikes are done. The next question is, is the Fed going to ease? I don't know. In fact, let's read this out loud, right? This was said before today. It was said last night by Goldman Sachs, and they reiterated it today. We no longer expect the FOMC to deliver a rate hike at its March 22nd meeting with considerable uncertainty about the path beyond March, meaning rate hikes are done. The question is, will they ease? Now, before last night, they probably weren't thinking that they would ease. Now, by the way, sometimes these big bank reports are nonsense. Sometimes they're not. This one's not nonsense. I read this over and, and this is good. Other banks are saying it as well. The Fed is going to at least, I'll give you the real answers. The Fed's going to at least pause rate hikes and will not start them again for some period of time. And here's why. It's not just because of the disaster. It's because every 25 basis points they raise, another bank goes under. Every 25 basis point they raise, somebody, it's kind of like the water's receding a little bit. You see another naked bank, right? That's what's going on. And they have to stop it, let the market catch its breath, and then maybe raise rates again. But I do not think they will raise rates again. I think there's at least a 50% chance that they will ease rates over the next 90 days. They're not going to, if they hike again, they make it worse. They make it worse. Well, along those lines, Vince, uh, obviously the question, I don't know if there's a set answer, but thing that people are concerned about, we have CBI coming out tomorrow, just perfectly timed uh, yeah, February right. uh, report coming out March 14th. So that'll be tomorrow morning. Nice, nice breakfast event for everyone to uh, drink their coffee yeah. along to. Uh where does that leave them on the inflation side? Because I think everything you're saying makes sense. And this is what people were, were concerned about with the speed of the hikes. Again, I don't know if there really is if there really is an answer. I mean, I guess, I guess the best answer would be take a time machine back to 2007, 2008, and not just paper over everything then. But any thoughts on how things react tomorrow with CPI coming out? Yeah, you know... Um... First, a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, uh, conjecture. Yesterday, as the S, as the I'm sorry, Friday, <clears throat> as the SVP thing started to unravel, uh, President Biden said uh, he had a good feeling about inflation, something like that. Inflation CPI would be weak. <clears throat> Today, inflation indicators came out. Excuse me. That said, inflation that said inflation is lower. So. I would expect, first of all, hold on. Bless you, my friend. For tomorrow, I'm leaning towards, I don't like to predict numbers, right? We're going to try and figure out what the market's going to do. The inflation numbers are probably going to be receding, maybe at a faster pace than we thought. I think the chances of a lower inflationary number are good. Now, if it's a lower inflationary number, now we're getting into the whole handicapping the trades. If it's a lower inflationary number and there weren't a crisis, stocks would scream higher because the Fed can start pausing. If it's a lower inflationary number now with this, stocks will probably go up because anyone who thinks that the Fed still may hike will say, oh, they're definitely not going to hike now and stocks will go up. What will that do to silver and gold? It'll make them go up. If inflation comes in hot, higher than expected, which I don't think will happen, but let's pretend that it does. You have to think of it that way. What will happen? I think it's a disaster for stocks. I think it's, I don't know what happens to bonds and I don't know what happens to silver and gold. I, I think there will be a dip in precious metals, uh, but that's because, uh, the problem is default, the cure is inflation. So remember this <clears throat> about silver and gold during a, during a data number. In the past, for years, for decades, if 
a number came out bad for stocks and precious metals at the same time. They both dropped and gold and silver kept going. Okay. Now they both drop. Silver and gold drop less. Not silver lately, but that's because they're punishing it because it's they think it's industrial. Um, but you get these V-shaped bottoms. So I think post Basel III, banks are much less likely to sell precious metals on an economic number than they used to be. Therefore, I think that if CPI comes in weak, lower than expected, you're going to see precious metals go up more than stocks would. If CPI comes in too high, <clears throat> I think you will see the stock market get decimated. And along with it, precious metals for the wrong reason. So you might see uh, silver and gold miners get hit. They're probably a buy. I don't know. I'm not a miner guy. Hope that helps a little bit. Alrighty. And speaking of which, we see now that uh, stock market's up on the day. Go, go figure. Uh, obviously, a uh, yeah. positive day for the U.S. economy. Last question uh, before we wrap up, I'll give you a chance for any final comments. Just kind of interesting, the timing. It seems like a lot of these things have happened in March. I mean, we're almost to the day of, I believe it was the March 14th to 16th weekend back in 2008. Um, when we saw Bear Stearns fail, uh, I know people ask about the Ides of March from time to time, which is known as a debt jubilee. And again, it was around this same time that things started. Uh, you know, we saw the escalation of QE by the Fed back in 2020. Any just coincidence or any thoughts of why some of these bigger events seem to happen right around that same time period? Oh, I, um, I don't know, but but um. I can tell you, I can't tell you why they happen in March, but I can tell you why they don't happen in December. I can tell you why they don't happen around the holidays uh, that going to be dragged out. Um, you'll notice, if you notice last year, this is just me just off the top of my head, but geopolitically, there was no big news coming out between the end of November and the end of January. There was no big war risk. There was no OPEC arguing with Biden. There was no monetary problems. They wanted a sleepy, sleepy Joe, right? They wanted a sleepy um, uh, uh, backdrop. And so all your problems come out in the next quarter of the next year. So to give you a comment about that, the end of the year is when, is when they lie. And the first quarter is when the truth comes out before the end of the first quarter. But I don't have a strong conviction on that. Uh, maybe just the curse of Julius Caesar. I don't know. But I do know that this started at the end of February when they lifted the uh, the uh, COVID pandemic emergencies for banks. Well, will be an interesting rest of the March. Uh, Ides of March coming up on the 15th. We'll see how this situation is looking in a couple of days. And before we wrap up, I did want to mention that you can find Vince on Goldfix Substack where he does his great writing, covers this stuff on a daily basis, in addition to being kind enough to update us weekly. Uh, Vince, anything you can mention about what you're going to be digging into? Sure, obviously a lot more on the this whole situation, but anything you could say about your website? Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that the, look, I think, I think you know, your subscribers, I, I really think that they should, Look, I'm not going to self-promote, but I'm going to say that for the next week, I'm going to be putting out the bank reports and commentary on what's going on. If you want to be updated, do that. So I'll give you a link, sign up for 30% off, and just try it for a week. And, and uh, uh, if you try it for a week, you're going, to be know, you're going to know what's going on every day for the next five days. And then after that, if you don't want it, cancel it. I don't care. But, but I really think you guys need to be in the know. And what you don't see on on, on Goldfix Substack is at the bottom, uh, below the paywall. Um, I put some really good bank reports on precious metals and on the macro economy. So uh, if you're trying to stay filled in and don't want to listen to uh, people like me babble, uh, that's probably the way to do it. Anyway, that's it. That's my pitch. Well, I appreciate that and the link to find out more and take a look at that in the description field below. So 
Anyway, hope this was helpful for people watching at home today. Obviously, a lot is happening out there. And Vince, just can't thank you enough for joining us again and making some sense out of what's going on. Um, unfortunate, perhaps, that this is the position that we're in. But given that's where we are, at least uh, knowing what's happening and being able to make best decisions possible, always a good way to go. So... Vince, thank you for joining me. Thanks, everyone at home for watching. And uh, any final words before you wrap up? Yeah, I just want—I just want to say to your audience, um, you got a great audience, and I think—and I—and I know that they do, but I want to say it anyway. I want to thank you for this opportunity to help the people that want the help, that appreciate the help, and you have a great audience. And uh, thanks for thinking of them and putting this together. I think it's a great idea. Well, thank you, Vince. Appreciate that. And uh, thanks for just making some time today. And we'll look forward to catching up with you again soon.